0: Hey out there, welcome to the Drink 5 Network's Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is July 28th, and we're talking about the NFC East. This evening, we're back, buddy. Yeah, we took a little two week hiatus leading up to the uh, the, the real uh, uh, close to the NFL regular season, which is what preseason game in two weeks and the 9th of August, which is less the first, than two weeks now. first Hall of Fame game Steelers versus the Vikings. Doesn't really matter much, but we're still gonna enjoy the heck out of it, and that means. That uh, to our friends and family out there That aren't into football or fantasy football We'll be off the radar for the next four to five months
1: Yeah, we'll see you guys at Christmas
0: Yep, sorry
1: <laughs> well, A brief interlude When you come join us for football on Thanksgiving
0: Yeah, <laughs> it really is Thanksgiving is a uh, celebration of football Not necessarily of uh, family um, And togetherness It's, mm-hmm. it's more like uh, how many football games can we play Spread out at weird times during the day
1: Right, right how many, you know, how can you squeeze as much football time in as you can and also take a nap and eat a lot of food?
0: How, how can... Uh, Which is
1: most Sundays, I
0: suppose. How can American families be forced to watch the Detroit Lions even against their will? <laughs> we do it once a year. Once a year.
1: We all have to watch the Detroit Lions.
0: Yeah. Uh, and well, then
1: we have to watch the Dallas Cowboys. There's just too much blue.
0: So for those of you who hadn't uh, tuned into our podcast before, uh, Dave... And Jason, across the table from me, we bring you each week uh, some new fantasy football-related topics because we are in the preseason. We're going to be talking about the rest of the divisions, and I think we only have the AFC South remaining for next week. Right. After that, uh, we'll go through the positions and talk about draft strategies going all the way up to, uh, to the end uh, of, of the preseason, which will lead us to week one, uh, which is where all the, the real fun begins because those thousands of dollars that you've invested or maybe even 20 or 50 bucks you've invested those in those tens of dollars <laughs> most of you invest in your uh, fantasy football leagues will will then start battling out for the number 1 position and that big payout of either 100 or thousands of dollars yeah uh, i have seen a couple of leagues out there that pay outs to uh, 500,000 a million dollars there's some really nice ones wow if none, I a,
1: none that i've been in and i don't expect to be in well, I don't Unless know. Unless it's
0: one of those free entry with a million people
1: and you can win a million dollars.
0: Well, sure. But the million team fantasy league. But if you put it in perspective, right, you're you're in a couple of leagues where you can get almost a grand if you win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that being the case, and where you came from, maybe let's say six or seven years ago, where you weren't spending any money, uh, I think it's probably growing at an exponential uh, rate.
1: Well, you know, my very first league I entered, uh, and you had a similar experience, I it was 100 bucks, So, like, right away I was... Spending a whole bunch of money on fantasy football. Yeah, and mine was 200 Yours was, yeah, over, yeah, 200
0: I was like, all right, so, I'm going from not gambling on football at all to spending $200. So right. that's a big leap, leaps and bounds. Yes. And uh, that's probably why I'm so into it now, because I was forced to, uh, to learn, you know, to walk through the fire.
1: That's a good way of doing it. <laughs> so, Dave, what are you drinking tonight?
0: Uh, yeah, well, this is something that you brought back from uh, vacation in Michigan. It's Black Rocks, uh, and it's called... Um, what is it called? Five K, I think so. Fifty-one K. Well, this is a weird font. It's difficult to read, but yeah, fifty-one K IPA, which I'm assuming fifty-one K would be uh, some kind of trail for biking or something like I that. I think
1: maybe Marquette is at the fifty-first parallel, but K wouldn't make any sense there.
0: Because there's a picture of a guy on the bicycle, and then a person hiking, uh, and then a guy uh, who's swimming who's skiing. Oh, oh. So I don't know. This is some kind of weird like hippie uh, decathlon. <laughs> <laughs> in any case it's it's pretty good uh, it is brewed in Marquette Michigan and it says it's native brewed which probably means everything uh, that they use for the brew is from there uh, uh,
1: yeah I mean I know they can grow the hops up there and stuff like that
0: yeah uh seven percent alcohol IPA I would drink it again uh although it probably won't be in Michigan for a while at least four weeks <laughs> at least for four weeks yeah and yourself uh I have
1: a bells uh I guess special feature. It's called the Oracle Double IPA. It is a 10% uh, by volume Double IPA. So I guess you could call it summertime hop slam if you wanted to. Um, but I I had several of them uh, in Michigan this weekend. Had to bring a couple of them home to feature on the podcast. They're very excellent. Um, great flavor. It isn't the um, you know it, it isn't as overpowering as a hop slam nor as citrusy. It reminds me more of a traditional double IPA, but done really well. Gotcha. uh, Gotcha. I'm excited to be able to have one more.
0: Very cool. So as this is closing out sort of the tail end here of the divisions that we've we've done, if you want to go back and check out some of the people that we've already highlighted and divisions like the NFC West, the AFC North, the AFC West, etc., they're all available on the website uh, along with the sound clips. um, Well, not a sound clip, the whole podcast that we had uh, in conjunction with it. So that's something we're trying. That's new for this year, and if it turns out good, then we'll, we'll continue to do it. Uh, I would like to introduce a drinking game for this show, and that is, uh, if you say yes, you have to drink. Just once. Uh, okay. But uh, find interesting ways to, uh, you know, uh, say affirmative from here on out. Hmm. Um. So, uh, without further ado, the NFC East contains Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington Redskins. Some of those teams did fairly well last year. The Eagles, in fact, they've been doing fairly well for the last couple of years. I think they're like 8-8 eight eight every year. Uh, At least, I think. Yeah. Uh, the New York Giants have had lots of successes, and then the past few years, not so successful. Uh, the Cowboys were 12-4 and four last year, so they did the best out of any of these teams. Great success. And, you know, they were a playoff team. They had some people on their team that are real standouts, notably Des Bryant, and uh, they also had... Uh, who who was this guy? Uh, he is now on the Eagles. He was one of the best uh, running backs Murray. in the game last year. DeMarco Murray, yep. And he ran for like 1,800 yards, which was insane. Although I I hesitate to believe that anybody, at least uh, in the next couple of years, is going to break the, the 2,000 uh, that... Um, that Adrian Peterson just got? That Chris Johnson got, and then Adrian Peterson got.
1: Right. Well, there's several 2,000-yard rushers now. Well, sure. But,
0: yeah, I mean... They, they tend to limit things to two point. Think,
1: I think if your guy Bell plays a full season... Well, he's not going to play a full
0: <laughs> season. He's got 14 games, and well, let's be honest, he only had, uh, I think, under 1,000 rushing yards last year. The majority of his yards came almost from res- receiving. Now, I don't have his stats pulled up, but I believe he had, like, like 82 receptions for a lot of yards. <laughs> so that's that's where most of his came from. And granted, you can get someone to do all purpose like Jamal Charles or Le'Veon Bell. Well,
1: I mean, you know, don't short sell him. He did hit 1361
0: yards rushing. Okay. Well, I'm not short selling, but he's not going to get 2,000. That's not going to happen.
1: I don't know. I mean, lots of guys get 2,000 yards from scrimmage. That's still going to be pretty common. So you know, you've got that 2,000 rushing yards is pretty special.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think we'll see it for a little while, although John Daly seems to think that Darren McFadden, who is now on the Cowboys, will rush for two thousand yards this year. And if I want anyone some of that Kool Aid. If anyone knows John Daly and, you know, how much of an expert he is at fantasy football, you should obviously follow his instructions. Um, anyway, so the Cowboys were twelve and four last year. Are you talking about like the
1: golfer John Daly? Yep. Are you sure there's not just another guy named John Daly? Feel free to look it up.
0: Well, I mean <laughs> then who cares
1: what he has to say?
0: Oh, well, I told you, he's a, um, a very meddled and honored um, fantasy football expert throughout the years. Everyone pays attention to him. Matthew Barry, you know, all those, those great uh, guys. I'm just kidding. I mean, yes, yes, John Daly did say that, but no, it has no bearing on the fantasy football world. And he probably doesn't know anything about football other than who's on his favorite team, which happens to be the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So, uh, people that came in new this year, Darren McFadden from Oakland, And he's not an old guy. I think he's only 27 years old. And he has a decent track record for a couple of years. But his production has been going down. We'll talk about him in a bit. And Greg Hardy, who's a defensive lineman who came in from Carolina, and Greg Hardy's problem, uh, I mean, he was a great, great lineman. And uh, he uh, was a pro bowler, uh, has great stats. But he was suspended for 10 games. Then they've got that suspension taken down to four games. And now they're thinking about going into some kind of arbitration or or something to try to get that eliminated. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I mean, why not? Everyone else is trying really hard to get their suspension
0: uh, reduced or eliminated. It seems to work for a lot of people, yeah. Um, But that's going to really help out the Cowboys when uh, Greg Hardy is able to hit the field because their defense... uh, That's not always hitting. Yeah. Uh, And then DeMarco Murray, of course, left um, to... Well, he didn't leave. He... He was sort of pushed out the door almost.
1: He was said, "Go and find your money elsewhere." Yeah.
0: And uh, he went to the land of green, to Philadelphia. <laughs> And uh, he was one of the best rushers in, well, probably the best straight rusher in all of football land.
1: He was pretty good at cutting. He's really good at catching. He played with the broken hand the last couple weeks. I, you know.
0: Well, by straight rusher, I meant someone who mostly runs uh, through the tackles rather than, you know. Yes, he is definitely, and
1: that's the their running style in Dallas. They like to do that. But Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, him playing through his injury probably won me my fantasy championship.
0: Oh, a lot! I needed that
1: that performance from him. I needed
0: everything. A lot of people won because of murray this, oh man or like, murray and brown and, and he got me there yeah all year antonio brown and demarco murray were like leading people to victories everywhere
1: if you drafted those two guys last year which was totally you know that was totally doable for a second round sort mm-hmm. of thing although really neither of them were first round for sure picks last year
0: well i and i don't know why uh, because we talked about murray as being someone who we should pick Last year A lot of injury worry We talked him. about Brown As being someone Who you should pick Last year But
1: after playing With a broken hand I'm not really worried
0: But yeah They were both uh, End of the first To end of the second So second round Picks basically Yeah um,
1: We'll get to more DeMarco Murray Later
0: Yeah so uh, Let's look at the Quarterback position Tony Romo's been there uh, Since 2006 As the starter um, And he has always Been a cowboy Will likely Always continue To be a cowboy And retire as one <laughs> He has really been an undervalued guy over the past four years because people always put him at the, the second half uh, you know, of the quarterbacks when they're going to draft, even sometimes lower than that. But he's put an average stat line up over the last four years, 2011 to 2014, of 4,100 yards and 30 touchdowns, uh, which is fantastic. It's
1: slightly deceiving, but yes, he's done very well.
0: Would you care to elaborate?
1: Uh, well, one of those years he was at 4,900 and the last two years, he was thirty-eight and thirty-seven hundred. But over the last two years, his touchdown totals have been increasing. So even though his yardage isn't necessarily up there, he's still putting up all the points
0: he wants. Right. His passing yards have gone down over the last two seasons. Uh, but basically, that's because the running game was what the was what the Cowboys were really focused on because of guys like Demarco Murray. Yeah and their line, Uh, but I think he'll be back up over 4,000 yards this year because of the fact that their running game is kind of a mess. They don't have a superstar
1: there anymore.
0: Right, so they have a great offensive line still, and we'll talk about the running backs, but he's going to be forced to pass more often because that's what he had to do before, and now they're not giving someone the ball 390 times or something ridiculous. (laughs) Last
1: year he had a completion percentage of 69.9%. Yeah. The highest touchdown percentage in the league as well. So he led the league in both those categories. You know, they've learned to be very efficient. And, you know, as much as I don't like the Cowboys and their whole America's team BS, I do like Tony Romo and I do want to see Tony Romo win a Super Bowl.
0: Well, he's 35. I think it'd not, be kind of unfair if he doesn't get one. It's kind of an optimum time for him to do it with a great offensive line and good receivers, etc. Um, I'm not even going to talk about Brandon Whedon because he, if he gets slotted in, if Romo gets injured, the whole team changes. Yeah, and likely even if Romo does get injured, he'll still play through it. He's always been a guy that does oh, that. Man, yeah. So that's what I like to see with with those quarterbacks, like Ben Roethlisberger, or like some other guys who, who they get like punched in the face or like <laughs> broken nose, broken ribs. They're still out there throwing touchdowns. And that I, the the worst is the broken ribs.
1: I can't believe some of those guys do that. Yeah. Fractured ribs, like. You have to stand there and like maybe get hit by a guy who really means to hurt you.
0: Yeah, and that's that's old school football, so I kind of dig that. Um, Talked about the running situation being a little bit of a kerfuffle Uh, after Demarco to put it nicely after Demarco Murray left, uh, and his stat line was uh, was what? What do you have there,
1: Uh, Mr. Demarco Murray's stat line from last year? Let me go to my uh, Eagles page. So, Mr. Demarco Murray last year. The, the biggest stat line of the season, I suppose. 392 carries, 1,845 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, uh, 115.3 yards per game. And then 57 receptions, 416 yards, uh, no actual uh, receiving touchdowns. Okay. 2,261 yards from scrimmage, just a few below our guy uh, Le'Veon Bell.
0: So a big part of the offense, uh, if not the biggest single part, barring the quarterback... Um, the Cowboys now have joseph randall who 's a third year guy who last year ran for fifty one or fifty one times for three hundred and forty three yards and three touchdowns but had two fumbles. Which are not very good stats for what he did. Now, if you look at his average, it's like six point something, which is good on paper, but he only rushed 51 times, so that's not really a a stat that we can look at seriously yet.
1: He only really, I think he only got some serious work in some games when DeMarco Murray was just pulled. Sure. So he had 13 carries in one of those games. You know, if you have 51 carries on the season and uh, a, a quarter of that almost comes in one game, you know, it's not very balanced.
0: Well, his, his stat line here looks like he can run for, for, to like break away sometimes, but he had two fumbles and three touchdowns, um, which is not great. Um, anyway, he's sort of, ratio. he's an unproven guy, um, and he's going to end up being the guy unless he proves himself wrong. Darren McFadden hasn't gone even close to rushing for over 1,000 yards since his breakout season in 2010. Want to know what
1: his average over the last four years is? 400 yards? 558. Right. <laughs>
0: Even when they wanted to use him uh, quite a bit in one of those years, and he just didn't he didn't play well. He's
1: also only played 16 games in his career once, and that was last year.
0: Um, Lance Dunbar, who is uh, a small-framed speedy back, he's been in the league for three years, with a total in those three years of 633 yards, including receiving, that's all purpose, and has never scored a touchdown. So we really don't know very much about Dunbar or Randall. They're Ballmer, gonna have dude. to. They're gonna have to prove themselves out there. I mean, he doesn't
1: you know, have the scoring section on Pro Football Reference. That's crazy. You don't see many third-year players like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Dunbar is like a five-eight hundred and ninety-pound guy. So he's uh, he's kind of a guy that you would expect to be their passing back, I guess, um, and uh, somebody who. Uh, might get some receptions in the backfield but but Candles I'll be honest a few kicks the the fact that like this is this crazy committee of all these people who either aren't proven or are kind of over the hill at least in in football speak I know that all of them are none of them are old guys but
1: Dunbar Dunbar the ripe old age of 25
0: well Randall <laughs> and, and Dunbar are um Are younger guys, but yeah, McFadden will be
1: 28 when the season starts. But that's not
0: old. I agree. I agree. He's regressed every year for the past four years. Yeah. So that's not good. He's
1: where the good backs tend to hit their prime. Not saying that he's a good back. He was a really good back in college. We've talked about him, um, you know, in previous years and like we were. I was really excited about him. I know going into like last year, just hoping that he could do something.
0: Well, he had his opportunities, and granted, Oakland does not have. That good of an offensive line, which is a real issue trying to hit holes, and also Oakland was moving from a from a power blocking zone into a different kind of or sorry from power blocking to zone blocking. When McFadden um, scored all of his points, which wasn't that great of a season. I think he had like thirteen hundred yards and seven touchdowns, but eleven fifty seven. It was a breakout uh, year for him, and they were in power running. Oh yeah the following year they went to zone running like zone blocking scheme and it didn't work out for him and it continued to not work out. So yeah, when they changed he went back down I think
1: you know in 2012 I think is when they changed. He went back down to 3.3 yards per carry
0: right from a, right. Af- after going over five. but I don't know that you can blame everything that he has fallen to on that because he's had many years to get back into the system or be a better player and it just hasn't worked out. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless, what we said earlier is this is going to be some kind of strange committee, um, and it probably won't be nearly as good as just having a guy like DeMarco Murray doing all the work, which was really working for them well. Now, there are some uh, veterans out there that are decent runners that the Cowboys might take a shot at. They have Ray Rice, Ahmad Bradshaw, Chris Johnson, and Pierre Thomas. Uh, personally, I think that Rice and Johnson are out of it, but I wouldn't think that, you know, that the Cowboys would scoff at picking up someone like Bradshaw or Thomas because I think that they're better, um, passing back guys and know these systems better than someone like Lance Dunbar, for example. And we'll see, but I think they're, they're going to keep it like this for a while and see if it works. Yeah. So do you think it'll work?
1: Uh, yes, because they have a good enough offensive line to make it
0: work. But do you think any one of these players will be good enough to to warrant drafting them and playing them? And how do you pick which one?
1: Drafting? I'm not sure, but I'm not I'm not as good as figuring out where they're going to land in the draft board. These are tend to be the kind of situations that I just avoid. But I will say that somebody on this team is going to be starting every week on your fantasy lineup in someone's team.
0: Or they in a 10-team
1: into- league with two quarterbacks... You know, the main starter on this team is starting. Or they turn into
0: the Saints. Uh, No, I don't think so. Well, Joseph Randall's ADP is sixth round. He's really the only one that I can see drafting in a redraft league. Um, Dunbar is not playable.
1: Yeah, and Darren McFadden might be picked up as some bench depth slash flyer. But that would be it.
0: Maybe. Um, Yeah, because people don't really know which one of those guys is going to do well. So we'll see. Now, Des Bryant... Just got signed to a long-term contract, five years, $70 million, $45 million guaranteed, which is awesome. Sounds like one of those baller's deals. And uh, it makes him one of the highest paid receivers in the NFL. Was uh, Demarius Thomas' deal more or about the same? It was almost exactly the same. Which one of them gets paid more?
1: the The overall pay is the same. Des Bryant got like two million guaranteed money. so
0: he's he's better than the Thomas. like they're they're they're
1: structured mind. slightly different in his ego, but goes. when you look at him it's like, wow, those are the same but you get forty five million dollars guaranteed that's fantastic well des bryant's was announced first um but I don't know this it's it's so close it's like the same
0: so that means the only uh receiver being paid more than that in the NFL is calvin Johnson right. So Bryant should perform at a high level all year. He's been awesome. He's still a young guy. He's got wheels. He's, he's got, you know, talents. He's going to be fantastic. I think that he'll finish in the top three in fantasy points at his position because of the Cowboys, again, like I said, an uh, increase in production from their passing offense. I think you'll see a lot of things switch around a little bit on uh, the Cowboys' side. And granted, they're still going to run, and they've got this triumvirate that we talked about earlier. And you're right that they will have production from the running back position. But they're not going to have a guy who, uh, among the three of them, they're not going to run for 1,800 yards. Among the three of them they won't? No. Oh, I th- totally think they will. Well, I don't. Um, Terrence the Williams, Cowboys rushing
1: on the season will easily be up there.
0: Okay. Well, I, I don't think that's the case. Terrence Williams has put up 621 yards and eight touchdowns in 2014, but he was very inconsistent. Now, those numbers are okay. Eight touchdowns is a great number, but 621 yards is not what you're looking for in a receiver, especially like a WR3 or 4, which is what Terrence Williams really would have been on your fantasy team. But he did have a great offseason, and you know, Dez didn't attend like all the training and mini camps and stuff. He's, he was holding out sort of, for a new contract. Mm -hmm. So Williams got to run all those routes, and and there's a lot of buzz about him doing much better this year. Again, I think we'll see more passing yards, so I think Williams is going to pay off a little bit. And how long has he been in the league? He's only been there for, what, three years? Two years. Two years years
1: now. He's uh, only 25. You know, he had uh, 37 catches last year. The worrisome stat to me is 66 targets, only 37 catches, you know. That's not something that Tony Romo is gonna like, and you gotta keep the quarterback happy.
0: Sure, uh, you know he's a young player and he's got uh, he's got a lot, of, a lot of things going on in the off season, which is great. Uh, Cole Beasley, this this little tiny guy, this little white guy who's a slot receiver, you know, in the Wes Welker sort of ilk, um, was re-signed to a four-year deal just recently. And the second half of the season, when Terrence Williams wasn't doing well, Beasley Ooh, was. I have to check this out. He was doing fantastic. And so I think that he's sort of a late round sleeper in PPR leagues because he was getting, you know, like five, six, uh, five, six uh, receptions plus 50 or 60 yards and a couple touchdowns when he was doing well at the end of the season. Uh, if he puts up that kind of uh, production, then you can guarantee yourself like a floor of, let's say, eight, nine points in a PPR league, which puts him squarely in that WR3 territory. Um, I don't think he's ever going to have a high ceiling because he's just not that kind of player. But you could see, um, you know, they weren't really using uh, Witten as much, and Williams wasn't doing well in the second half, so it was pretty much all either run the ball with, um, why do not keep forgetting his name? DeMarco Murray. Run the ball with DeMarco Murray, or pass the ball to Des Bryant, or you just sling it over to Cole Beasley. I know, saw Beasley Cole Beasley
1: a has a uh, video online of him dunking. Mm. Little, the little white guy dunking. Yeah, the he's basketball.
0: like 5'8", so he spud webbed it. That's yep. fantastic. So he's got hops over there. Um, and then the only other thing that I see that's relevant in the Cowboys receiving core is that uh, this undrafted free agent they just picked up named Lucky Whitehead has a really unfortunate name.
1: That's not a real person, Dave. Yeah, it
0: is. Let's just move on to the next team if you're just going to make people up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I say yeah, does that count as as, uh, as a yes? Uh, no, but that does. All right. I could have just said yes. hmm <laughs> Um, so let's talk about Witten. So Witten's 33 years old. He's been awesome and he's been with Romo for so many years. Both of them have a great relationship. It's kind of similar to the Roethlisberger or Heath Miller kind of thing. Um, and his ADP is somewhere between rounds 10 and 12 right now. And I think that he's sort of a value pick this year because I do think he has a year or two of production left. And I think that the reason why he didn't score that many points last year is one, because of the focus on the running game, which they Everything I said, they're changing to a more pass-oriented offense. Mm-hmm. And two, he only scored three touchdowns, and that's not normal. Like uh, for his, him, produ- his production, excuse me, for his production, he generally scores like six, seven touchdowns. And he's had some years where he scores like nine, I think. Uh, he has
1: nine as his uh, peak. Last year, like you're saying, it's because they didn't focus on him. Uh, he went uh, seven years in a row over 111 uh, targets. Yeah, he was super. And last PTR, year was only yeah. 90. And he, still, or, and he still had 64 catches. So he's catching the balls that are thrown to him mostly. 703 yards. He kept his receiving uh, average up there. Um, he had five touchdowns last year, which kind of saved h- you if you were uh, playing him. But I do expect it to go up a little bit, uh, you know, especially if they're going to focus on passing the ball a little bit
0: more. And um, I, th- there's another guy there uh, behind him. I forget what his name is, like Gavin or something. But he doesn't really look like he's going to be any threat to Jason Witten's passing uh, stuff, not to mention the fact Gavin that Escobar, a guy like, uh, like a Heath Miller or a guy like a Brent Selick or any of these guys that have been there a while are always going to be better blocking tight ends, and the quarterback's going to count on them more. And the tight end's a super important position. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be out there for the majority of the snaps. I think he has a year or two left before he falls completely out of the tubes. Heck, we got guys like Antonio Gates. That play that are still playing that you know could have a decent year. Vernon Davis, you know, really
1: Antonio Gates and Philip Rivers is a better compa- better uh, comparison to Romo and Witten. All right, why? Uh, because you know Heath Miller is a consistent, long lasting guy, but he hasn't come close to putting up the numbers that Gates and Witten have. And those guys are going to be Hall of Famers. Heath Miller may be a Steelers Hall of Famer. Maybe.
0: Well, I was talking about his relationship with the quarterback more than his stat line. But you're right. Well, I think they have a long relationship, too. Rivers and
1: Gates have a very long relationship.
0: Yeah, all all three of those guys. You know, you find that all the time, right? That the tight end and quarterback are really (sighs) close. Because they are really close. They they remain really close. They become
1: roommates. It's like, you know, it'll be the next Gronk and Brady.
0: (laughs) Well... (laughs) Um, anything else you'd like to add about the Cowboys? Uh, no, I mean... You think that they're? I gonna... want the
1: Cowboys to lose every game, but I want Tony Romo to win the Super Bowl and probably just with the Cowboys. I think they have a good so chance... It's very conflicting too, for me.
0: I think they have a good chance of winning the Super Bowl in the next two years just because of the way that their offensive line is currently performing and the fact that they have Des Bryant um, and, and Tony Romo. So, I mean... The real tough thing about them, right, is that they, everyone always seems to think that they are that they choke at the end of games. And looking at the numbers, it's, it's, it's kind of odd, but they don't.
1: No, they don't. And Tony Romo isn't a guy who is just soft lose. either. <laughs> you know, they just, you know, they lost to Green Bay last year. Green Bay was a great team
0: last year. Yeah, they've had bad luck, and they, and they have uh, a lot of matchups with really high-scoring teams, and their defense is not awesome.
1: Right, so they went twelve and four. They had to settle for a three seed. They go twelve and four again. They're probably getting a bye, and a home game in week two. Yeah, so that's that's good stuff.
0: Okay, let's breeze the Giants. So the Giants went six and ten last year. Not so good. Um, they did get Shane Vereen from New England, and he's a, a great passing back who had a lot of success there. And then uh, Steve Spagnolo, who's a defensive coordinator from the Ravens. He actually was an assistant head coach for the Ravens, but he's can't about, find his stats. He's he had fifteen <laughs> rushing yards last year as he oh, boy. ran down the sideline. Uh does
1: like the coach? remember the guy who was running down the sideline and got tripped by the <laughs> opposing coaches team's coach? Yeah. Does that guy get a tackle for that play at least?
0: I don't think so. Maybe in the the, the, <laughs> the team's like uh, little little leather bound stat book that they keep. Okay. Um but he was the assistant head coach last year for the Ravens and before that he's been a head coach I think for St. Louis Maybe another team, um, but he's someone who's well known in the league as a, a good defensive coordinator, a guy who will a guy who knows defense, etc. And one of the interesting things uh, about this team this year is that they kept most of their guys, uh, except they lost like their entire backfield, so three safeties, two cornerbacks off the team, right? Yeah. And they did the same thing in 2013. They kind of turned around their defense, moved everything around, and last year. They were not very good. They were the fourth worst defense in total yards last year, just above the Chicago Bears. They gave oh, up. jeez! They gave up six thousand and twelve all-purpose yards over the course of the season. So, it's a lot. They gave up a lot, and uh, they can't really be much worse, right? The, they drafted a whole bunch of new guys. Uh, they might not be any better, but they probably won't be any worse. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like the Bears situation. You gotta. Just get rid of everything and then just try as best you can to slot people, younger people, into the slots. Yeah. See how it works. Um, Eli Manning, or the winningest Manning as he likes to be called, Mm. he has certainly had his ups and downs as a fantasy quarterback. Eli Deuce Manning. (laughs) Since I've been comparing the over the last four years thing, I'm going to do that again with Manning. So he's averaged over 4,200 yards and over 25 touchdowns per season. Um, That's a lower touchdown count than Romo, a slightly higher uh, passing yardage. But he doesn't, as a rule, score as many touchdowns as a guy like Romo does. Uh, The main issues here are consistency from game to game and the interceptions. He consistently throws interceptions. So, Manning has averaged 18 interceptions per year over that time, which is more than one per game. Is that more than Jay Cutler, I wonder? Any smart guy who plays fantasy is going to really question the decision to draft him. At least in leagues that penalize for interceptions. Because the ones that don't, uh, he's actually a decent quarterback. Yeah, I guess who cares then. He had 4,400 yards and 30 touchdowns last year. And you have to remember that he's been in the league a long time. He's won two Super Bowls. And he's been a top 10 quarterback several times. Well, twice, I think. If you don't lose
1: 28 points from 14 picks last year, then yeah, he's, he's up there. You know, I think he's probably bottom of the top 10 right now.
0: Mm, probably a little more than that. With
1: the stats from last year, I suppose.
0: But um, you mean without the interception? Yeah, because twenty-five that, touchdowns—that would have enough, to be—it's <laughs> not enough to get him up that high. Thirty. Oh, last year he did. Oh, right. so so here's what—that's a good bridge to what I was talking about. His new offensive coordinator, his name is uh, Ben McAdoo, right? And this is really cool. It's a second season under this guy, and the first season under this guy, which was last year, his completion percentage was sixty-three point one percent, which is the highest ever in his entire career. And he only threw 14 interceptions, which is tied for his lowest ever in his entire career. So, with great receiving talents that he has, that we'll talk about, and the addition of Shane Vereen, I think that Manning has a good opportunity here to play one of the best seasons that he's ever played. Um, I think I'm targeting him in drafts because I feel like his ADP is going to be so crazy low, and it doesn't make sense. Right? Well, got- you can't say it doesn't make sense. You are just... You know, you're putting the pieces together and betting on him having a good year. I can say it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in my projections based on the information that we have to work with. So, Eli Manning is being drafted currently at the end of the ninth round, beginning of the tenth. And that is super low. I mean, you've got guys like Eli and Ryan Tannehill, two guys that I'm targeting for this year that I could get... Towards the end of the draft, that might put numbers up at the bottom of the top ten. Ryan
1: Tannehill's got to be higher than him. Now, His right? tenth
0: uh, round ADP still. Oh, I'm waiting till the tenth round. I'll take him. Well, someone else is going to scoop him up because he's going to be. He's already high. by the time we draft in like September. Yeah, he's on sleeper lists all across the internet. It's so.
1: weird. The dates feel so wrong this year because the NFL feels like it's starting later, and uh, all like I have a
0: draft on August 30th and like
1: September 6th.
0: Well, last year September 5th was like the first game. I know and yeah. Yeah. So I I like Manning. I think with Shane Vereen and, and all his great receiver help, like he's going to have a really awesome 2015. His uh, offensive coordinator seems to have done good work for him last year, and that was all new routes, all new like patterns, everything was new. Yeah. So if if they stay, you know, and things are doing well, you think they're going to do well. Now, we did learn a lesson living in Chicago that that's not always the case sometimes a quarterback will have a pretty good year and then do way worse the following year. Uh, but that is a Chicago Bears. That,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> as long as, and I don't have any doubt that Tom Coughlin will hold this team together. Yeah. So I don't think that what happened to the Bears, uh, specifically last year, could happen to the uh, Giants this year. Now, and I think Maybe know, Eli struggles, you know, sure. But yeah. that's not because of Tom Coughlin.
0: So Odell Beckham is one of these tools I'm talking about. This rookie put up 91 receptions for 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. I've been trying to find a way to, um, you know, to question that, to put it aside as a fluke, to, 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 to throw it to the wind and say, here's the reasons why this won't happen again. I can't really do that. But what I can do um, is, is say that even though like you have to put him up there this year with guys like AJ Green and Calvin Johnson, uh, where they currently are, current ADP, first or second round overall, he's up there. I have a hard time picking a guy like that though because I think there will be a slight regression in stats because there almost has to be and because he's on tape and because it generally happens that not sophomore slump because Beckham seems like too good of an athlete, but I just think that um, there's going to be more uh, more targets and they're going to want to use Beckham but use other people as well and use Beckham as someone that draws double coverage, things like that. So I think his yeah. stats will be great, but I think they'll, they'll be a little bit less than they were last year.
1: He was targeted more than 10 times a game last it's year. It's a little insane. But, I mean,
0: what is it going to drop to? Eight? Nine? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm saying he'll still be great. I mean, it's stupid to say. No, otherwise. totally. And, and I think it's warranted to put him up there with a guy like A.J. Green or you know the slight regression that Calvin Johnson has been having. I mean, his ADP is about the same. I think uh, Johnson's ADP is at 19 uh okay,
1: and that makes sense. Odell Beckham into the second is round,
0: 12. So I would
1: probably rather have Beckham than Johnson. I I don't know whether Boy, or not feels, I would.
0: I feel weird saying that. But I'm that. not going to do that. I am not going to take him in the Look, early If I'm taking a wide receiver this early, I hope it's Antonio Brown. Well, you can't do that because AB's uh, a, B's, uh oh, a well no, AB B is like probably 5, 6. Okay. I mean, and that's that's overall consensus. For me, I would probably put him 4 or 5. Yeah. Just because he's Gotten five for 50 in the last like 33 games, and I think that Roethlisberger is going to make that happen for the next 16.
1: I think so too. Yeah, I mean, as he, long as he stays healthy, he can pretty much do it. He's
0: just been like forcing him the ball at the end of games if he doesn't have the 50. Heinz
1: Ward had a similar thing, he had like a four <laughs> for 40 or something weird like that. But you know, Antonio Brown's obviously very impressive with this. I'm
0: telling you, it's that little leather bound like uh, journal that the teams have, they're just checking off these. Yeah, internal... but this is an
1: official thing,
0: <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. So Beckham, I think a slight regression, but still will be one of obviously like the top uh, the top receivers overall. He's just too great, too talented not to be great. Uh, remember when picking up Victor Cruz in 2011 as a free agent would win you the fantasy football tournament? 1,500 yards that year. So he's back again, right? But he had a patellar tendon tear, which is one of the worst injuries to come back from. So he's regressed each year since his breakout 2011 performance. Then he had a patellar tendon, Cruz. I think think I'm going to hold off on him and let someone else make the mistake. Because his current ADP is in the 10th round, and I think that's more than fair. But I don't think he's going to perform at a high level at all, which would lead me to believe that having him on my team would make me want to play him in certain circumstances. Like, say, the Giants are playing a team with a bad passing defense, and I think playing him would be the wrong move. So I'm going to just... Step out of that situation and not draft Victor Cruz at all. <laughs> uh, your, your thoughts on Cruz? Mm, I don't mind trying Cruz out
1: as a later round flyer if he happens to fall in the draft. What is his ADP
0: again? Tenth round.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he happens to fall to like 11-12, I don't have a problem with it. I don't want to be reaching for him, though. Like well, you no. said, he's just regressed You at, can't ever year. reach
0: for Victor Cruz. You have to make sure that you do not do that. Right,
1: but... That being said, I'm okay with taking him just a little bit after, you know. Once you're not
0: reaching, I think it's all right. Well, I just look at a guy that trended down for a couple years and then got injured and then took a long time to come back. I just don't think he's going to be the same player. Uh, but I guess, you, you know, you're saying it's the 10th round. You can you can take him as a flyer. But 10th round isn't really flyers. It still has people in it that can score points. Yeah, but so 10th just,
1: round is like officially you're in the bench at that point. So as a WR4 or 5? Yeah, depending on your league. Because think wrong. about it. You know, Odell is going to take a lot of attention, and Eli is going to uh, be able to be in a more upbeat passing offense. So a talented guy like Victor Cruz, if he's healthy, can have a
0: very high ceiling. Okay, well, for example, the guy after Cruz is Larry Fitzgerald, and the guy after him is Brandon LaFell, and the guy after him is Charles Johnson, then Steve Smith, then Eric Decker, then Tory Smith. I would rather have all those guys. I might take Cruz in that situation. Well, I think you're wrong. I would take I
1: would totally do like a Cruz Fitzgerald bet on the year.
0: Oh God, they're going to be terrible. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't take Cruz or Fitzgerald. I would take no, that's fine. I would take LaFell or Decker um, over. I do like Decker. those guys. I do like Decker, um, but I he think scores it's
1: touchdowns.
0: It's true, and he was, now he's not going to be the WR one, so he has all that taken away from him by Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Now, I think the reason I do not want to take Cruz is because I think Ruben Randall has a good chance of stepping up here. See, I'm thinking Ruben Randall had 127 targets last year.
1: I'm thinking that Victor Cruz takes a lot of
0: those. Well, he had 938 yards but only three touchdowns. He's like a big red zone target. He's like 6'2", I think has a good vertical. If he's but a red zone target, why did he have few, fewer touchdowns? Because he's an up-and-coming guy. What is he, like in his, his second or third year right now? <sighs> Yeah, I guess. I mean, up and coming when you get 130 passes. He has an ADP in the 21st round. I'm not saying you draft him in a redraft league because you don't. I'm saying that I think Ruben Randall eats into Cruz and not the other way around because Cruz is not the same player. That's what I think. I mean, I don't think um, that—and we'll just talk about Larry Donnell right now. He's a 6'6", 265-pound guy who was a number 12 tight end at the end of the season last year. But mostly because he had a three-touchdown game against— Yeah,
1: we only know about him because he had, like, three good weeks in a row.
0: Against the Redskins, right. And most of the time during the season, he just had, like, three receptions, and uh, he didn't really score very much besides that. So I I don't think he's a guy to worry about. So really, you have Odell Beckham, who's the wide receiver one on this offense— you have Cruz that could come back and be two, or Randall that could step up and be two. So the battle here is Cruz versus Randall. Is Cruz the same guy? Can Randall step up? Or are both of them garbage? And you're going to wish that you didn't think about Randall or You draft didn't just Cruz? go ahead
1: and take Beckham in the second round like you should have. Yeah, well,
0: it's going to happen. So if it's not, you know, if you're not the one that does it, someone will take him. But I, I okay. think I have to step off of Beckham and pick uh, more of a veteran guy. I hate picking a guy who's a first or second year guy that high it, it just kind of bothers me <laughs> yeah
1: I mean but I don't know I feel like uh, there, there's always guys that you are just too talented to say no to
0: sure but a lot of those people that do really well one year turn around the next year and they have you know a regression and although I think his uh, regression is going to be slight just because of how good he was you really can't tell um, so we both agree that Beckham is going to have another great year but
1: we disagree on who's going to be number two behind him.
0: Uh, yeah, or if number two will even be relevant at all. Well,
1: I mean, Ruben Randall, Ruben Randall, excuse me, could have been relevant had he caught more of the balls thrown his way.
0: Yeah, sure, but he was a rookie, wasn't he, or a second year guy? Third
1: year guy last year.
0: Okay, a guy who wasn't used very much. His name has been tossed around a lot in the past couple of years, but he was never really out there. Yeah,
1: 2013 was the first time he had su- seen, like, sustained action. He scored six touchdowns, uh, 78 targets, 41 catches. You know, it's it's the 56 catches that he's not getting uh, out of those targets that I, makes me feel like, you know, it, it won't take long for Eli to start leaning on someone else.
0: Yeah, but that was the year that Eli Manning had like 29 recept- or interceptions or something. Or 19 interceptions. But no, I'm talking about last year's stats mostly. I thought you said 2013. Well,
1: 2013 he was he was climbing. Uh, but yes, he, Eli did have a lot of interceptions that year.
0: Well, and, and Randall... But they don't
1: count interceptions as targets
0: generally. They don't?
1: Targets are usually balls that are thrown... Uh, that are catchable to you. So I suppose, like, if you were in a contested ball and you, the other player caught it, then that's something. But, like, that's generally not going to be. Uh, I mean. I don't know who it's okay. a stat okay. that's really fine hard fine to fine imagine. well
0: maybe maybe he goes down as like a, a Darius Hayward Bay that had more of an opportunity than Hayward Bay did but never can really catch the ball that well uh it seems like he is a part of the offense we'll see what happens but I don't believe in Victor Cruz and you don't think Randall's ever going to climb so Victor Cruz
1: doesn't have the you know uh, catch rate either to well, say like for
0: sure it's going to be him and he's been worse every year so let's let's just agree that It doesn't really matter who the number two guy is right now because if you draft him, it's going to be late or it's going to be his free agency pickup.
1: Yeah, it's just I see the potential there for the second guy to be fantasy relevant.
0: Yeah, but they don't have. We just don't know who it's going to be that that has any kind of you know doesn't stand on solid ground.
1: There's going to be someone else on this team with over 120 targets this year, other than Odell Beckham Jr. Shane Vereen's going to suck up targets.
0: Uh, Maybe. I mean, Rashad Jennings didn't suck up targets last year. Well, no, but he had the most on the team as far as targets from the backfield. Okay, Okay, but only 41 is, you know. Well, Jennings is 30 years old now, and, and Jennings is going out there as the number one running back, but he's not going to be the number one running back. Andre Williams is going to take it over, even though Williams is not that good. He had 217 rushes for 721 yards and seven touchdowns. He was a
1: plotting plotter. It
0: doesn't matter though because he's young and the goal line, he's awesome at scoring. It, yeah, he'll get his carries for sure. So Rashad Jennings is old and he has never played 16 games in a season. Uh, he's injured all the time and his yards per carry were awful. They were only slightly better than Andre Williams. So there's no way that that guy ends up being the guy. The it'll old
1: it'll be Shane Vereen probably will be the best fantasy court running back in the on the I, team, but it'll be. A team where No, because Shane Vereen don't want for, any of them.
0: Shane Vereen's for hurry up, Shane Vereen's for third down, Shane Vereen's a passing back, uh, maybe like little little out routes and stuff, but he's not a running back for the goal line and early, you know, short yarded situations. So I mean that's only something that Belichick's gonna do. That's not something that Coughlin's gonna do. So Andre Williams, I think, will end up being the running back, but it doesn't matter because he's one of those guys that if you do put him in he will be, yeah, a plotting guy that only will be good for you if he scores a touchdown in that game. And he scores a touchdown in less than half of the games he plays in. So, what does that tell you? It tells you you shouldn't draft anyone in this backfield except for Shane Vereen, who I think will have 50 receptions and be a PPR guy.
1: Andre Williams will be as good as, you know, rookie year Trent Williams or Trent Richardson.
0: Well, that's good, though, isn't it?
1: Well, he had like a three. Point 0. zero yards per carry, so you know the scoring double-digit touchdowns is always a crapshoot. If they get down to the goal line a lot and their wide receivers aren't converting, then he may get a lot of touchdowns. He may get over ten, but yeah, I don't. I, I would stay away from the running back situation, which is a shame because on my dynasty team I have two of these
0: guys. Well, I like Vereen. I think it's going to be good. I think Manning's going to throw the ball a bunch. He's more accurate. Uh, he's been doing better with his offensive coordinator. I like Beckham. think he'll be good, but slightly regress. Uh, we both agree that, that there are some more targets to go around, but we don't think they're going to go to Larry Donnell. So just keep, <laughs> keep your eyes open, you know, and, uh, and do what you want to do, but don't reach for Victor Cruz. Uh, those, those are our suggestions. Philadelphia Eagles. So what record did they have last year? I, I neglected to jot that down. Here. Uh,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles last year... Um... They were. I need to find a player who was actually on the team. Oh, no, wait, that doesn't count.
0: Right? Well, you can get back to me. They're, they're probably the NFL team to have made the, the biggest moves in the offseason. So they, they were have, 10 and 6. Okay. So they have Sam Bradford, who comes over from St. Louis, and they have DeMarco Murray, who came over from Dallas, and Ryan Matthews, who came from San Diego. And then they also just picked up Tim Tebow because uh, Chip Kelly lost a uh, poker match. <laughs> and they lost Nick Foles, who was sort of involved in this whole trade um, for Bradford. He went to St. Louis, uh, so they swapped quarterbacks there. And LaShawn McCoy went to Buffalo to be the running back for the, the, uh, the Bills. Yeah, for the Bills. And Jeremy Macklin went to Kansas City. Uh, unfortunately for uh, Foles, McCoy, and Macklin, uh, they probably didn't really like uh, Chip Kelly very much because they were all going to teams that weren't as good as them. Uh, Now, Buffalo is arguable, but the Eagles have definitely been doing better as a team uh, than the Bills have in in the recent years. Um, I think that there's a whole lot of firepower. I think that Chip Kelly is all about fast-paced stuff with a whole bunch of people um, that can make plays. And I think that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about anything else. He thinks the team is fluid from year to year. It doesn't really matter if you have someone on the same team for five years. None of that makes a difference to him because he thinks that his situation, his schemes, and his plays are going to make things happen. And it's hard to argue with a guy that has had success already and a guy that tells us that, yeah, we ran pretty quickly and our plays were pretty quick, but we're going to do way better than that this year. Right, right. He still expects, uh, he, he just, he's like, yeah, it's running
1: about 60% right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Can I grab another beer? Absolutely. Thanks. Um would you like a 60% Bells that's the funny thing. double IPA? Yes, buckle? I would like that. Yes. yes. So, um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the quarterback situation, if you would? Uh, well, you know, I'm
1: a little confused as to what's really going to happen. And I suspect that we uh, will find out uh, sometime during training camp whether it will for sure be Sam Bradford um, or one of the other guys, be it. Mark Sanchez or um, who's the not the, not Tim Tebow but the other guy? Um,
0: I thought they dropped the other guy. Okay, did
1: they? Then we don't we can drop him from the conversation. <sighs> um, so I think it. Mark Sanchez can still take the job.
0: Well, Sanchez is running as the number one right now. He's like moved in with these guys. He did his own little like practice thing. He knows the offense better than Bradford does, right? Yeah. But Bradford is still not hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I mean It, it felt like. Because they made the move to get Bradford and give up Foles, that they were looking at Bradford as their number one guy. But sure. especially if he's not hundred percent, then and he didn't play at all last year.
0: Well, that's the point. I mean, he's one of those guys that uh, you know. And I was saying that everyone thinks can be great, but he's always cut short by injury, um, and he's never able to actually do these things that he's supposed to do. And not only that, but he was with the Rams, and he didn't have like great receiving weapons either. So, he's never really done the stuff that everyone said he could do. That's uh, true. So, I mean, you talk about one of those people like in high school or grade school that's not living up to their, uh, what word am I looking for here? Potential. Not living up to their potential. Uh, I hate to put that on Bradford because, yeah, he's getting injured and it's not really his fault. But maybe it is. Maybe he's weak in the knees. He should have told someone that. He's like, you know, when he gets drafted uh, to the NFL and he's like, I just want to let you know I'm weak in the knees. So maybe you should take that into consideration when drafting me. <laughs> I think some people are just more fragile than others. So I'm putting the chances of another ACL tear at one and two. <laughs> and So
1: did you see what uh, LaShawn McCoy said about um, DeMarco Murray and the running situation in general?
0: Yes, and, and we'll chat about that here in a minute. But he said that uh, that DeMarco Murray was going to be the number one guy and that... that Chip Kelly doesn't really care about those other running backs, and he's not really going to use them except to to spell them.
1: He's like, yeah, and he said, DeMar- uh, D- Darren Spoles is going to catch the passes, uh, DeMarco Murray is going to run the ball, and Ryan Matthews is there for emergencies.
0: Yep. They kind of got trapped in a rock and a hard place, to be honest, because they had given the money to Matthews, and then then went out and found out they could get, uh, they could get DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray. So I've they're just... like, well, forget it. I'm just forgetting his name every time I even talk about Who's him. His so name—it's a thing now. I don't know what's his name. Yes, Demarco Murray. Got it. So I, you didn't want to talk about the quarterback situation anymore? It was well. Like
1: you. I said, uh, it looks like it's going to be uh, Bradford or Sanchez. I suppose if Bradford winds up being fully healthy, <clears> that he has a much better chance. Uh, he has almost basically no chance uh, if he's not healthy.
0: Well, correct. Plus, you know, as you saw last year with Foles and Sanchez, Chip Kelly doesn't mind pulling the plug. Like I said, it's my opinion, and it's not your opinion, not anybody else's opinion necessarily, my opinion, but uh, from seeing what he's done, that he just doesn't really care about the players that much, I'll be honest, that he cares more about what they can offer him than them. That's his job. Yeah, not really. I mean, you've got a guy like John Fox or someone who's sort of a a player's coach, right? That's not what Chip Kelly is. Chip Chip
1: Kelly's job is to win games, and if they're winning games, then the players aren't going to mind how they're being used as much as you might think they
0: would. I don't know. You say that, but I, these these players have huge egos and they get bruised very easily. Well, do you think that Chip Kelly isn't stroking their
1: egos at the same time? I do not think I that. think that he's the kind of guy that knows how to control the room still. I think and he has he guys still for has that. everyone, you know, following him. Well, I mean, whether it's him talking or not, uh he is the one in the background orchestrating
0: everything. That's fine. So it's Bradford is number one as long as he's healthy. Unless he sucks, in which case it'll be Sanchez. And then Tim Tebow is a the guy they're probably going to throw in and out in weird situations to throw off the defense. You think he winds up staying on the team? He's their third quarterback. Wow. He, come on, with Sanchez and and uh, and Bradford, you tell me you're not rostering another quarterback? I don't know. Is Matt Barkley still on the team or not? I think they cut him, but let's find out. Okay, so DeMarco Murray is the number one running back, as we talked about. Uh, Reports uh, from the Eagles camp say they'll spread the football around.
1: Yeah, there'd be an entry on Roto World if he was cut. He's not. He's still on the team.
0: Well, he's nothing, though. Matt Barkley?
1: Yeah, but I could see him being kept over Tim Tebow, because he's going to know the system a lot better.
0: But Chip Kelly likes guys like Tim Tebow. That's who he worked with in Oregon. Not Tim Tebow, specifically. Right. Those kinds of quarterbacks. I understand. I, I think, like I am saying, I think he likes these pieces more than the puzzle.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so, I agree with you about Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles. Matthews might get 60 or 80 rush attempts, but DeMarco Murray will get over 200. Sproles will just be mixed in as, a, as like a passing down guy. Darren
1: Sproles is not a young man anymore. No,
0: was he, 31?
1: He's a small man, and that
0: helps huh. to not get worn down as
1: fast. But yeah, he is 32, actually. Okay. Just turned 32 in
0: June. So, Murray's ADP is in the middle of the second round currently, so how likely is it that his production warrants a high draft spot like that? I think
1: I'm surprised. I, I, not, I don't think I'm surprised. I am surprised. That he's so high, because I think that a lot of fantasy players are suspicious of Chip Kelly and how much use Darren uh, or Demarco Murray is actually going to get. But that being said, if you say he doesn't care about his players, then he's going to run the guy into the ground. Yeah, they're just going to get points. And they don't care. as a redraft player, then maybe he deserves to be you know at the top of that second round. You said he was nineteen, I think. I didn't specify a number. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh no, that was Calvin Johnson. Was nineteen. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, DeMarco Murray, second round, works for me. I took him there last year. Um, I am still a little suspicious of uh, Darren. Uh, I'm not not Darren. Uh... His
0: ADP is 16. Okay. So, like I said, the middle of the second round. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all comes down to whether or not DeMarco Murray was a product of the Cowboys' offensive line. Or can he really do well here? Because remember, LaShawn McCoy was having issues. And LaShawn McCoy is seems like a great runner. He went over 1,000 last year, but yes, it wasn't 1,800. So what I'm expecting is for DeMarco Murray's numbers to be like LaShawn McCoy's numbers. And so I think people are overvaluing him. Yeah, I mean, I generally would lean in that direction. I mean, I, I, think I like him. He's a good player. Like you said, he's sometimes injured. Uh, but he's not, like... Better fundamentally than LaShawn McCoy is, so why would he suddenly be better on that team? I can't wrap my head around that. So I can't wrap my head around anything unless I'm like in a high-speed collision. So uh, um, you, your laptop is warming up beers again. Oh, yeah. You need to drink it. Moving on. Take that and drink it. You don't think I should? You should serve the beer at like 80 degrees.
1: I, uh, you know, 80 degrees might be a little bit warm. <laughs> so. I'm curious as to what's going to wind up happening at wide receiver there because they got rid of Jeremy Macklin after getting rid of Deshaun Jackson the year before. So now they don't have either of their big stars. They've got Jordan Matthews, Riley Cooper. Um, you know, where do they go from here? Who's going to be the, the, the number one guy there?
0: Well, again, it, no one really cares. Uh, or like Chip Kelly doesn't really care, I don't think, about those individual people. So he's going to use whoever is doing well. Jordan Matthews last year ended the season with 67 receptions for 872 yards and 8 touchdowns and he was the number two guy behind Macklin. If a number two guy has 900 yards and 8 touchdowns, I think he is deserving of all the targets until he proves otherwise. So uh, people are saying that Jordan Matthews is going to play slot receiver. Some people are saying that Jordan Matthews is going to play uh, rotate around to all the positions. Some people are saying that Jordan Matthews and uh, Nelson Aguilar, who's a rookie this year, are going to rotate back and forth in the outside slot. What this tells me is that no one has any idea what Chip Kelly is going to do with the receivers. But what I do know is that Matthews didn't disappoint him, and uh, Matthews did really well, and he's a second-year guy in the system. And Which ri-
1: means that uh, Chip Kelly helped pick him.
0: And, yeah, exactly. And Riley Cooper and Josh Huff who have both had buzz about them for different reasons, I don't really see as relevant this year in in redraft.
1: Maybe he'll make them
0: look good so that they can uh, sell them high at the end of the year. Yeah, but I think Matthews and Aguilar. Aguilar will probably mostly be the outside guy, but he's a rookie, so temper expectations. Matthews will mostly be the slot guy, but they'll do weird stuff because it's Chip Kelly's offense. I expect them to have, like, I think Matthews will have over 1,000 yards and around the same amount of touchdowns, and you'll see Aguilar try to be like a, a Jeremy Macklin Jr.
1: That would be interesting. And I think they'll both that would work for
0: him. They'll both have really good stat lines, and it's the Eagles, so they can support both receivers, regardless of whether or not it's Sanchez or Bradford.
1: Macklin had a spectacular year last year. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work out there for receivers in that offense. Oh,
0: that's the great thing. So I think both those guys will do well. And Aguilar is a rookie, so you know what's happening right now is that his uh, ADP has, has gotten up higher and it ke- continues to climb because the hype is going crazy. Mm-hmm. When you see Aguilar in the preseason and he's able to... Um, let's One of the quarterbacks is going to be thrown to him, right? It's either uh, Tebow or, I guess, Barkley or Sanchez or Bradford. Um, with these guys who are really talented guys, they can bring down the ball, especially when they're playing with defenses that aren't the first-string defense. So you're going to see all of these receivers make big plays on the Eagles' offense, because those defenses that are like second-string and third-string defenses are going to have no way uh, to comprehend the kind of like, system that Chip Kelly's running. I mean, e- <laughs> even second-string third-string offense, they're still running these crazy you know, fast-paced uh, schemes and strategies. So I think it'll be Matthews is number one uh, and Aguilar is number two. But if you want to talk about who's the Z receiver, that's Aguilar.
1: Makes sense. I mean, yeah. I-, I could see definitely Jordan Matthews probably winds up leading the team.
0: It's just because he'll be a slot receiver and he's just going to... He's going to know more of the offense. He'll be on the field
1: more. Yeah. He'll be more familiar with the uh, quarterback, Mark Sanchez.
0: Mark Sanchez. You Mark think, Sanchez. Do you think Sanchez will end up being the quarterback?
1: Uh, at least to start. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> at least to start. I mean... That's where they'll go with the start. I just... Who has All faith right. in Bradford?
0: Why would Chip Kelly take Bradford? It makes no sense in the world. I think his strategy was to try to get Marcus Mariota, and he failed. And so... Yeah, that's, that they were trying to do that. Now he just doesn't want to look like a dick. They didn't, like, totally
1: blow everything, but, like... I don't know. He, he was 5-4 and four last year. Not so bad. He lost to Green Bay... Uh, he lost to Seattle and he
0: lost to Dallas. No, no, Sanchez was great. He he only lost to the good team. They lost to Washington. That's
1: the only shitty like loss.
0: They they did pretty well and he had put he put up good stats, etc. Um and he knows the system and he can manage the team. And so uh, I'm a with few you too many
1: interceptions. He's like um he's like a mini Eli Manning <laughs> with not going to get any rings. Has no pedigree.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's still young, too. He's not an old guy. Um Tight end situation. Zach Ertz, uh, heralded as the second coming, right? We've talked about this for a couple years. Everyone always says, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz. You bought into the hype one of those years, unfortunately, for you. Uh, Brent Selick is the reason why Zach Ertz has not been a super amazing commodity on that team because he has amazing blocking skills, some of the best in the league, and you can't switch over... To Ertz. Because and, for the last
1: two years, he's had exactly 51 targets and 32 catches.
0: <laughs> well, you, you can't switch over to Ertz as an every-down player. He just started playing more than 50% of snaps in 2014, and he's not as good of a blocker as Brent Sellick. So until he is, they're only going to play him half the time. And yeah, that percentage might climb up a little bit, but his stat line of 702 yards and three touchdowns is not good for a fantasy starter. It's not enough touchdowns. Um, you know, it's a second or third tier tight end. So, uh, probably second tier.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like the top of the second tier for tight end. No, I
0: don't think so. Unless your tier is 15 places long. Uh, but I think that Ertz has a shot at being a top 10 tight end if he proves himself as a good blocker. He needs to get in the end zone more. And then he's solid. <laughs> See, you're still on the train for some reason. you got to get off the train. Well, I mean... They're not going to use him as much as he needs to be used in order to get a high enough stat line to be relevant in fantasy football in a redraft league. The one thing you have to remember on the Eagles is that it almost never matters who the player is.
1: <laughs> I guess that that's what you have to keep telling yourself when you're talking about the Eagles. There just isn't the numbers there, and it's just not going to happen.
0: If he's not using tight end as a position that he throws to a lot, then it's not ever going to happen. Uh, I mean, I guess if Selick was
1: completely gone... But they, Ertz needs to learn how to block in order to totally replace Selleck. That's what I just said. I know. I'm just yes, you're reiterating agreeing with me. and agreeing with you.
0: Heck yeah. All right. So that's this is a good thing, folks. Uh, so, yes, Zach Ertz will not do well unless he's getting three-quarters of the snaps. At that point, he'll be a uh, fantasy feasible uh, tight end.
1: Fantasy feasible.
0: That's right. <laughs> Interesting. Fantasy feasible. Has anybody said that yet? Because we could be the first. <laughs> it's a lot of syllables for fantasy football players. I'm not sure.
1: Whatever, we're good with F's.
0: Yeah, uh, so let's talk a little bit about Washington. Uh, Do we have to. How did they start off, or how did they end the season? Rather, how what's their? Uh... They ended it badly, Dave. That's what they did. I love talking about the Redskins. <laughs> They're my favorite team. They anyway. were
1: four and twelve.
0: Okay, so a four and twelve team uh, that was it last year. It was right that they they had Robert Griffin the third, and then they they started Kirk Cousins for a couple of games. Uh, yeah, he played week In five seven. starts. So, two through seven, and he actually uh, did decently the first and second games. The second game, he threw for 427 yards and scored three touchdowns versus Philadelphia. (laughs) From there, it was all downhill. Yes. (laughs) It was all, oh, right, it's just Kirk Cousins, we can take care of him. Yeah. So, isn't that funny, though? I think whenever there's a new guy, they have like a 50% chance.
1: Next week, he threw four picks.
0: Yeah, it was not good. He's not good. Kirk, so no good. Robert Griffin III is the number one guy here. They're giving him yet another chance, um, and you've had Robert Griffin III on your dynasty squad for a couple of years because when you drafted him, I think it was the year after his rookie year, wasn't it? It was. He was going into his second year, so his rookie year: thirty-two hundred
1: passing yards, twenty touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns. He was great. on eight hundred and fifteen rushing yards. Mm-hmm. You know, the next year he only played thirteen games instead of fifteen. Through the same amount of yards, um, only 16 passing touchdowns, and then zero rushing touchdowns,
0: which was the the main killer. Well, and he's one of those guys, right, that had too many injuries, uh, too many issues um, on and off the field, and it just wasn't really nothing was going his way.
1: And last year it was uh, just pretty abysmal. So um, you got to think that if he doesn't uh, pick it up and quickly, that he is not long for that team.
0: No, he's off the team, and then he might fade into, like, uh, um... He might fade into... What's his Terrell name?
1: Pryor. No. No, not real prior Jamarcus Russell territory.
0: Well, no, because Jamarcus Russell never had that kind of a year. Um, <laughs> who, who was the guy who's now, like, the third-string quarterback for Miami? He was dropped and then signed again this week. Hmm. He used to be on Tampa Bay. He's, like, six. Oh, are you talking about Josh Freeman? Yeah, Josh Freeman. So, Josh Freeman had, like, a year or two that he was decent and being hyped, and then... He just fell off the chain, and everybody like was like, "You're terrible. What's going on?" I don't understand how that happens to these guys, right? But that's not my job uh, to understand their like. You're not their
1: psychologist.
0: Emotional state. I'm not or their trainer. Yeah, I'm none of that stuff. So I don't care about Robert Griffin III this year. I, it's not even on my radar to be drafted, no matter how far he falls, because he's been terrible, and nothing shows me that he'll be good. Um, I understand in your Dynasty League, for example, you kinda have to sit on it for one more year and if he plays a couple good games, you trade the heck out of him. Oh yeah. Is I what you think do. like
1: if he gets any sort <laughs> he of value. You high trade him as high. He can. Quarterbacks are still too far too valuable to just drop them. Well, this is a two quarterback lead that we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. So you know, in Dynasty, a young guy, he's still very valuable. Thankfully, uh, I did well picking the rest of my team, so it wasn't a disaster.
0: You could get somebody though, if he like plays two or three games really well, you could get somebody to be like, oh, he's going to come back, he's going to be Rob Griffin the yeah. third, and you could at least get you know like a second round pick or or like you know something good for him.
1: I think a lot of people in that league valued uh, age like way more than I thought they would, and the young guys really got picked early. What do you mean in the dynasty league in the initial draft of that?
0: But that makes sense, doesn't it? Because you have it, them for longer. You're
1: right. It totally does. And you know what? The people who drafted older players didn't necessarily have it work out for them.
0: Well, no, because if you don't win right away, then you're done for like four years. You have to rebuild your whole team. Because <laughs> yeah. all those guys are starting to retire. You know, uh, and, and that hasn't happened too much for us because this is the third year. But we do have one guy, for example, that lost um, uh, the tight end for the Falcons. Um, and then he... Tony Gonzalez. I think he has Peyton Manning, who he traded away, but Peyton's probably his last year. Uh, well, that's
1: great if you can trade away a guy who is almost retiring. Like that's actually really good value. Yeah, what like say- I have Aaron Rodgers. If I can dump him in two years for like some good value, still maybe a first round pick or something uh, like how that. How old is Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers, I want to say is like thirty five. He's not thirty five. There's no. Oh, way. Oh no, he's like thirty two. So then I could probably keep him for like five more years. How old is he? He's going to be thirty two at the end of December. Beginning oh, of December. He,
0: he's. You can keep him for six more years. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> okay, Ben Roethlisberger. Well, he he has a five-year contract now. What is he, 35? Right, so if I can keep him for
1: three years and trade him for like a first-round pick, you know, I think that that's a
0: good move. Hey, if you have Rodgers and Roethlisberger, you don't need RG3 on your team. <laughs>
1: right. I need I need a backup. But both of those guys are like Ironmen. Yeah, Watch they're... how
0: they both go down this year. I hope not. Um, well, enough about uh, about him. So about the wrong team. Um, so the backups are Kirk Cousins and Colt McCoy. As far oh, as can we just talk concerned. about other teams? And, <laughs> uh, no, this is, this is the last team. In the this NFC's. is the Washington Redskins. Well, we'll do a breezy uh, jaunt over them. So uh, the backups are probably going to see the field at some point, just because RG three has a history of being injured or being benched. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they're going to have any substantial success or relevance. So I would stay away from all three in redraft. Alfred Morris is the primary running back, and he has been doing well. There's no reason that he shouldn't continue to do well. However, those, uh, those small amounts of, uh, of receiving yards that he was starting to get, because they were practicing, they're like, Alfred, catch it. <laughs> Alfred, use your hands. And so he was starting to catch, like you know, I think, 20 or, or 25 passes in a year. <laughs> and now they drafted Matt Jones, who is a really good passing back. So he's going to take that over entirely. So no more passes for you, Alfred. You failed in that respect. Your
1: 26 targets are going to be the cap.
0: Yeah. However, (laughs) uh, Alfred Morris is still going to run for over 1,000 yards, get a bunch of touchdowns, and he's going to be very consistent because he's a very good straight line down the field running back.
1: He is um, what plotting plotters wish they could be.
0: Yeah, he's a plotting plotter that is not so plotting.
1: Right. Yeah, he just runs and he's not he's a he, running runner he's not really great. <laughs>
0: he doesn't have like moves but he'll he'll score touchdowns you know
1: Washington Redskins go f- yourself uh, Sir, we'd be- <laughs> a
0: little a little south Park if you haven't seen that episode we recommend you check it out um, the the NFL has obviously told us it's okay um and they actually had it, they had Roger Goodell in the And episode, so his South they?
1: Park. Uh, not the, I mean, a, a fake Roger Goodell. No, they one, had
0: every single owner in the episode. <laughs> yes, which is which is just awesome. Yes. Uh, for wide receiver, because running back, that's all that really matters Alfred Jones, Alfred Morris, and Matt Jones. Uh, wide receiver, they have Deshaun Jackson, and they have Pierre Gerson. So let's talk about Deshaun Jackson. Here's a guy who was awesome on the Eagles. Um, he has emotional problems, but he's a really good outside receiving threat. Now, oh. The 2013, he had 82 receptions for 1,300 yards.
1: Can we set the NFL emotional problems uh, level, like the Andy Dalton line? Yeah. The emotional problems line, I think we can set it at Brandon Marshall. If you have fewer emotional problems than Brandon Marshall, then you'll probably be okay. If you're worse off than Brandon Marshall, like a Terrell Owens, <laughs> then you're going to wind up with some crazy complications. Yeah,
0: that's probably true. I mean, Marshall's almost made it through his career. He exactly. Might actually,
1: Brandon Marshall has... He might actually make it through. Brandon Marshall is successful... <laughs> You know, despite doing this, just like Andy Dalton is successful despite sucking.
0: Yeah, very good. So Deshaun Jackson then is uh, is what like at the Brandon Marshall line or slightly above. He is
1: it? on the positive side of the Brandon Marshall line. I okay. think.
0: Okay. Uh, so, like I said, thirteen hundred yards and nine touchdowns in two thousand thirteen. Yeah, his last year with the Eagles. Eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns in two thousand fourteen with Washington. Yeah. Um. So we can probably consider him. Uh, a, a good candidate to do about exactly the same. He got those yards per catch back up again last
1: year, twenty point nine.
0: Well, R- RG three was throwing some some bonkers shots at him, but I believe that the couple of his big games were with Kirk Cousins. Uh,
1: yeah, he had better games later in the season. He did only play fifteen games, but you know,
0: yeah. Um, so I, I consider I, I think he will have about the same season. Um, he's an outside guy. The team is not substantially better than it was. It's not substantially worse <laughs> than it was. So, They're just
1: going to remain bad.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I guess. Now, a guy that's even more interesting to me. Well, do you have any other thoughts about Jackson? Do you think that it'll turn around one way or the other?
1: I think that he's going to continue to be a guy who's going to get 1,100 to 1,200 yards a season. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, at least five touchdowns. Um, he's good. Uh,
0: He's not going to be a superstar on Washington. He
1: he's good in leagues uh, in standard leagues because you know it, he doesn't get a lot of receptions. Uh-huh. So his value is a little bit better in a standard league. So definitely, you know, toned down a bit in PPR
0: leagues. So, and speaking of PPR, we'll talk about the guy that actually was the uh, champion, the number one wide receiver in PPR leagues as far as receptions in 2013. Pipper. Which is Pierre Garcon. He had 113 receptions for 1,300 yards and five touchdowns. So that makes him outstanding in both types of leagues, but much better in PPR. Now, 2014, last year, his stats basically halved, and he had 700 yards for three touchdowns. And, he played the same amount of games, so what exactly is the reason for that decline? Deshaun Jackson. So Deshaun Jackson coming to town has taken those uh, those good you know touches away from him. And so it's uh, our opinion here that those stats uh, for Garcon and for Jackson will continue to stay around the same. Agreed. I think that
1: they could both get a little bit better if they have some consistency at the quarterback position, be it, you know, whatever guy is going to end up playing, if it's the same guy for 16 games, it's going to help their cause. Probably more so Garcon than Jackson, because Jackson seems to be able to uh, make a lot happen just because he's so damn talented. Yep. Imagine if Jackson was on, like, the Packers
0: (laughs) or the Broncos. Yeah, it'd be great. It's the difference, like, uh, like Greg Jennings being on the Packers and then Greg Jennings going to a different team. (sighs) Or he doesn't have Rodgers throwing to him. Right. Um... So Andre Roberts is their third wide receiver. And Roberts is a mediocre talent with mediocre stats. And he's not really going to be fantasy relevant. That's the end of that. Uh, Jordan Reed is the number one tight end there. I love Jordan Reed. I think if Jordan Reed can stay healthy during a season, he'll have an amazing season. Now, first year, 2013, he had 400 or 45 receptions for 500 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But he only played nine games. If you look at those games, the games were great as he sort of led up to having a really good time and then got injured. Um, Last year, he played 11 games and he had a similar stat line but no touchdowns. He was still injured, and a lot of people were saying that he played injured the whole year when he was in those games. Yeah. So is Jordan Reed a guy who's just going to be injured every year, every game, and then he's going to fade away from the league? Or is he one of those guys that could be a super sleeper? He hasn't really reached his potential yet and he hasn't really been healthy. If he comes back and he's a good tight end on that team, God knows that RG three needs a person to throw the ball to in bad situations.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does not have a Alfred Morris to rely on for that. Uh, I think
0: uh, he's either the number twenty five tight end or, or like the, the, the number, number five.
1: Five. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because he has a very high potential. He's good at catching the ball. You know, fifty receptions on sixty five targets, forty five on fifty nine. You know he's not dropping too many passes. He's getting five receptions per game when he is playing, but of course, like you said, his problem is that he doesn't mm. play enough. Uh, he gets too injured. So, well, yeah, and I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if he's going to <laughs> be able to recover fully. I know that he had a lot of concussion issues. Um, you know, you, you know, when you can wait a whole season, I just I hope that those can get better. You well, know, if you don't get better in a year from a concussion, then you do have a problem.
0: Well, we don't determine uh, how, how well someone's going to do based on their injury risk, right? Uh, We're looking
1: but, at his potential, and his potential is top five.
0: But his stats are not good. So you have to weigh it in between, and his, yeah. his current ADP is like 23rd round. So for me, he's a late-round flyer. That's all You can is.
1: take him as the last last
0: pick in the draft. And no one will have taken him. Yeah. Because he's not going to be on draft sheets. That's true. So he's a sleeper that you know of that people don't. However... Uh, you got to remember that you could probably just keep an eye on him and pick him up if he ends up having a good game. Um, there's a fine line there, though, as we'll talk about you know, in our draft strategy show coming up. When, when you don't pick someone like that, when you don't take that flyer, if he does have a good first game, you may never have the opportunity to get him again. He may be gone in that first week, and you will not have a good enough waiver uh, pick to, to select him. And then you will never have the opportunity to grab him. You'll just feel bad about yourself. Yeah, so um, besides that, um, there is another tight end on the squad. and His name is Niles Paul. I know that uh, I think you and I both owned Jordan Reed and Niles Paul. Now, yeah. Niles Paul was someone who was sucking up the rest of the receptions and yardage when, um, when Reed went down last year. And he had 500 yards but only one touchdown. So I think both these guys are, you know, not on the radar at all. I don't think Niles Paul is someone to target. I think it's Jordan Reeder bust, you know. But but the, his value is a sleeper pick, and that's it.
1: This team is going to, like, do okay if the quarterback play is good. Um, but they have really shaky quarterbacks, and... If their quarterbacks aren't good, then the rest of the team is really going to struggle. Well, unfortunately for and the maybe Deshaun Jackson and Alfred Morris are the only fantasy-relevant people on that team.
0: Well, they are easily the worst team in the division. And uh, even though the Giants were very close to them last year, I feel like the Giants will get better and the Redskins will stay the same. I agree. So, I, the Redskins, I'm sorry, Washington fans. It's not looking good for you out there. Outlook, not so good. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I think we covered everything we want to. Uh, Again, next week we're going to go over the AFC South, I think, right? Uh, Yes, it'll be AFC South. Talk about the Texans and the Colts and uh,
1: two other teams.
0: All right. Well, uh, with no further ado then, uh, we've had a wonderful night here from the uh, Drink 5 studios, and we'll see you guys in the coming weeks for more fantasy football action. And remember to check us out on Facebook at Drink 5 Network, uh, Twitter at Drink Five, and of course at drink dot com for all of the of the cool articles and podcast information. And if there's anything else you need, or if you want to drop one of us a question individually, uh, you can reach us at Dave at DrinkFive dot com, which is me, and Jason at DrinkFive dot com, which is him. Or you can tweet us because none of the kids email these days, Dave. Well, I, I'd said Twitter at Drink Five. Oh sure, you know. <laughs> But we're probably at this uh, generation where none of the kids podcast either. So, Sure. <laughs> we're just capturing a certain segment now, you know. This is generational. We're going to be like 65 podcasting years old. Podcasting is
1: multi-generational. There's old podcasters. No, it's there's old. Young. It's only
0: old people. It's not, not young, yeah.
1: Oh, that's weird. There's a, there's a new techie thing that only old people do. Yeah. And it's called podcasting.
0: Well, new, I mean, it was like late 90s when it started.
1: True. I mean, I've been listening to This American Life for a long time.
0: Unfortunately, late 90s is almost 20 years old, so. Yeah. Wow. I hate to put things in perspective, but we'll try that for another show. Okay.
1: <laughs> Washington Redskins, go f yourself. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice, idiot. Uh huh, f you. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: That's a great clip. I like it.
1: I was like, oh, why don't I have this upper?